2nd of March, 2024. Um, the FSSP meeting that we all heard about on Thursday was, <clears throat> well, we all reported it as a big nothing burger. At least that's what most people are thinking about it. And strictly speaking, it was. But there was an interesting bit of news that came from this thing. You see, the FSSP issued their own public press release about it, which is now floating all over the Internet. And I'm not going to read it to you because it's omits a key piece of information about what happened there. And I know this because a Catholic journalist accidentally released the full press release, one that wasn't supposed to, to be given outside of the fraternity. And now we have it. And I'm going to explain to you why this is such a, why this is potentially a big deal. So the first thing to know is Francis reiterated to the, to the FSSP that they have the right to say the traditional mass, according to the 1962 liturgical rubrics moving forward. He did it verbally. The document that he gave them two years ago, which they brought a copy of to remind him, I guess, to their meeting. He, um, he affirmed it. You won't be able to find that document though in the, uh, in the official uh, apostolic acts section of the Vatican's websites or anything, the places where they store official acts of Francis. So we'll see how much, how, how that, how valuable that document is in the long run, especially when the inevitable does happen to the FSSP. Um, so here we're going to talk about, let's actually just go over the document to begin with. So this website here shared a copy because as it turned out, a, Catholic journalist who will remain unnamed, a very good Catholic journalist, accidentally tweeted this out. People grabbed a copy of it before he pulled his tweet down. Note the highlight for distribution outside the FSSP. You may think this is a big deal document if they're doing that. There is a potential. And so we're going to go over this dated yesterday or two days ago, the 29th of February. Following a request from the fraternity of St. Peter to the Pope, expressed in a letter dated December 8th, 2023, from Fathers Benoit Paul Joseph and Vincent Ribiton with the approval of Father Andres Komarowski, the Holy Father replied on December 12th, 2023, inviting our confreres to come and meet with him. He received them in private audience at the Vatican on Thursday, February 29th, 2024. The meeting in which the Pope showed a fatherly care throughout was an opportunity for them to express to the Holy Father their deep gratitude for the decree of February 11th, 2022, by which the Pope confirmed the liturgical specificity of the Fraternity of St. Peter, but also to inform him of the difficulties encountered in its application. Father Komorowski informed the Holy Father that the decree had been signed by the Pope on the very day of the FSSP's consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, at the end of a common novena of prayer. The Pope commented, raised his eyes, and pointed his index finger to heaven. It is from God. The Pope was very understanding regarding the difficulties encountered in various dioceses, particularly in France. He rejoiced at the fruitfulness of the fraternity of St. Peter in terms of vocations, and was deeply impressed by the vitality of our houses of formation. He invited the fraternity of St. Peter to continue to build up ecclesial communion evermore through its own proper charism and the efforts of each of its members, expressing his wish while respecting the freedom of each individual priest for the con celebration of the chrism mass, or at least for the presence and Eucharistic communion of priests at the ceremony. He encouraged continued communication with the dicastery for institutes of consecrated life and societies of apostolic life. The audience lasted around 25 minutes. An official public press release with photos will be posted on our websites shortly. Now, I found out minutes before I went live that somebody else, that another Catholic commentator went live with this. I haven't seen what they had to say, but I know that they focus on this, the concelebration of the Chrism Mass, that Francis expresses his wish 
while respecting the freedom of each individual priest for the celebration of the Chrism Mass, or, and here's their out, at, the, at least for the presence and Eucharistic communion of priests at the ceremony. So why is this important? Because the fraternity priests have, for at least three years now, since even before Traditionis Custodis was issued, going back maybe farther than that, faced this issue, especially in European dioceses, where the bishop is demanding they con celebrate the Mass at the Chrism Mass. So for those who don't know, the Chrism Mass is said during Holy Week by the bishop, and all the priests of the diocese are invited to attend. Sometimes a priest can't make it for legitimate reasons, and the bishop is typically very understanding of that. Fraternity priests, FSSP priests, don't traditionally participate in this. There have been exceptions, as reported sometimes by laity who've seen these things, but typically fraternity priests don't participate in this. Sometimes they don't even attend the Mass. Now, why is that? Because officially, the FSSP, while acknowledging the validity of the Novus Ordo Mass, have reservations about it. Which, if that surprises you, you have to remember the FSSP was born by from a group of priests who disagreed rather strongly with uh, Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre's consecration of bishops against the orders of the Vatican. These priests did not want to go along with it, but they were trained and formed by the SSPX anyway before they founded the FSSP. And while the formation of the FSSP has changed probably at least a little bit since those days, their priests are generally uncomfortable with the new mass, to put it mildly. And I know this because, not just because I've read about what the FSSP say in writing, but I've spoken to especially younger FSSP priests who, if you had a room full of priests of mixed company of SSPX and FSSP priests, and nobody told you who they were with, you'd have a hard time telling the difference. Because typically, FSSP priests, the young ones, sound more and more like SSPX priests as time goes on. But this issue of concelebration is what looms large. And so I'm going to bring this article up here. It's from the remnant from uh, a week before. If you note here, you can't see the date here, but it's from a week actually before the publishing of Traditionis Custodis. Well, 10 days to two weeks. Uh, two weeks, actually. July 21st, 2021 was when Traditionis Custodis was issued. And so here we have an article about the FSSP expelled in France three years ago over this. And this earlier this year, there were more stories of this. But here, I'll just go over this for you here so you can see. A French archbishop who plans to expel a traditional priestly fraternity from his diocese because they won't celebrate masses has said he took the decision in anticipation of a new decree or motu proprio that Pope Francis is reported to be preparing to publish and has since been published. You will have a new motu proprio in the coming days or weeks. Archbishop Roland Minarath of Dijon was filmed telling a group of faithful who were protesting against the archbishop's decision outside the city's archdiocesan offices on June 26th. On June 16th, Catholic News Agency reported that the Archbishop would be expelling the FSSP from the Basilica Fontaine-le-Dijon, St. Bernard of Clairvaux's birthplace, at the end of the summer. Father Roque Perel, the superior in that place, told CNA that the Archbishop had made the decision because the FSSP priest failed to allow a practice promoted to the Second Vatican Council of two or more priests con-celebrating at the altar. The Archbishop wanted to con-celebrate the Chrism Mass during Holy Week, but we haven't done it for years as we have reservations about the new Paul VI Mass, that's the Novus Ordo, the Mass at most parishes, and we don't celebrate at the same pace, said Father Perel, who wanted to emphasize that according to Canon 902 of the Code of Canon Law, no one can be forced to con-celebrate. 
The Archbishop had first accepted their refusal, although he didn't like it, but now he is kicking us out for this motive. And in this sense, he is misusing his authority, Father Perel said, adding that the Archbishop has been wanting to transfer the community a year ago. And then, of course, it stirred up a lot of outcry. So what's the big deal, right? The Code of Canon Law protects the rights of individual priests to not be forced to con-celebrate the Mass. The Archbishop invites the, the priest to con-celebrate the Mass in union with him, and it's a symbol of unity in the church. But generally speaking, you don't have to. I've gone to these chrism masses before, and a fair number of priests show up to be sure. But when you understand the size of an archdiocese, and even if there's a chrism mass being con uh, offered by an auxiliary bishop elsewhere in the diocese, it still does not reflect the number of bishops or priests there. I'll give you an example of this. My old parish priest in Portland, Oregon, who will remain unnamed and has long since retired, uh, was not a fan of Archbishop Sample. Didn't like him much. Uh, he recognized his authority. He respected his authority and did what he was ordered to do. He submitted to the authority, but he didn't like him. So he uh, didn't attend the chrism masses and he never got in trouble for it to my knowledge. In fact, they actually allowed this priest to stay at the parish. He'd been a the pastor for 15 years or something until he retired. So to, oftentimes Novus Ordo priests won't have this happen to them. But here, it's a different story. In France, we've seen this now several times over the last few years. The FSSP forced out of a diocese, one diocese after another, because they won't concelebrate the Chrism Mass. This isn't this goes flies in the face of the code of canon law. And you don't have to take my word for it. I've got this article here from five years ago, two years issue to the day, practically, of Traditionus Custodis before it was out. And here, Dr. Peter Kwasniewski tells us that the mounting threat of coercive con celebration. And we know the story at this point. These priests are being told they have to con celebrate the traditional mass. He tells us that he's been hearing from clergy who are telling him that within their religious communities and schools or houses of formation and parishes and other situations, the campaign is intensifying to forbid priests from offering their own daily masses, a practice that goes back to antiquity. Priests would often offer their own private masses for their own personal intentions or for other private intentions. He says, when they are otherwise free of obligations to celebrate mass with and for a congregation, this would be on their so-called day off. They're still offering that mass if they're physically capable of doing so. And to compel them to could celebrate with confreres. We got first wind of this back in July, 2017, when a document circulating around Ro colleges in Rome attempted to intimidate clergy into con celebrating contrary to their canonical rights. And then, and then Father Hunwick goes over this in an article. He says, but here's the here's your kind of money bit from this before we go into the actual the code of canon law. He says, clearly the modernists and progressives are fuming and plotting against the young priests going to side altars to say mass, or to the parochial vicars who set up dignified altars in their rooms for their day off, or the clergy who with curious consistency absent themselves from the sacramental jamborees that pass for special occasions like chrism mass. Let's pause here. Sometimes those chrism masses in some dioceses are celebrated with less reverence than in other places. I attended chrism masses a couple of times with where, where Archbishop Alexander Sample was the celebrant and they were appropriately reverent, but not every place is like that. He says they can see the writing on the wall. There comes a time when the threat of tradition becomes felt in earnest and all kindness, real or simulated, is laid aside. It is indeed a threat to the post-conciliar house of cards that many have substituted for the rock-solid Church of Christ in its perennial doctrine and liturgy. 
The older generation still paddling and sputtering in a lake of Kool-Aid wants to thwart the revival of private masses, above all because these masses are so often used in the use of Santiquor. That is the traditional mass. Oftentimes, priests, especially younger ones, will offer their private masses on their days off or as a second mass that they can offer within, in, in accordance with the rules of the Code of Canon Law are offered in the traditional form. This is something they've been wanting to squash because the knowledge of how to say the traditional mass and the practice to offer it appropriately needs to be done away with. So as Dr. Dr. Kwasniewski says, two canonical offenses are committed at once, an action against the code of canon law and an action against the motu proprio Samorum pontificum and its authoritative applications in Universae Ecclesia. Well, both of those have been rescinded. So let's go over the, let's go over canon law as outlined here by Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. And I'll have links to all these articles today in my show notes, return to tradition.org. The, that post will go live on the website um, just a few minutes before 7 a.m. Central Standard Time because I've got a news video going live at 7. You should check that out. It's a, a warning from a priest about what's going to happen to the church if Francis keeps on the path that he's on. And all the links to both of those will be there today. But according to Canon 902, that guarantees the right of each priest to celebrate individually with the sole condition that the individual offering the Holy Mass not take place in the same church or oratory in which another con celebration is taking place. Now, he says some English translations simply say in which another celebration is taking place. The Latin, however, is clear. Then he goes into the Latin. Thus, having many simultaneous masses at side altars is fully permissible, even according to the 1983 Code of Canon Law. A priest is offered, in a plain language, a priest can offer, can offer a private mass. They just can't share an altar. They can do it if they have a altar, a private altar in their rectory. They can offer the mass if they want to, if it's in a private home, as long as they have the permission from the ordinary to do it. They can do it. The Code of Canon Law permits them to offer masses outside of public masses. 1983 Code of Canon Law reaffirms this ancient right of the clergy. Canon 904 recommends the daily offering of the Holy Mass by priests, since even if the faithful cannot be present, it is the act of Christ and the church in which priests fulfill their principal office, the munis. The standard English translation of the 1983 Code translates munis as function in this canon which translation is not felicitous. The Canon 906 prohibits a priest from offering the Holy Mass without the participation of at least some member of the faithful, except for a just and reasonable cause. It is clear from this context that the fulfillment of the recommendation of Canon 904, that is the recommended daily offering of the Holy Mass by priests, is a just and reasonable cause. Meaning, priests under normal circumstances should have laity there, but their private Masses, according to the Code of Canon Law, offered by themselves, are also fine and just to do. That's it. And then he goes into an encyclical letter by John Paul II reminding you of this. And then another one by Benedict XVI reminding you of all these. These are magisterial documents. So the question here is, why don't magisterial documents and the rights that expressed therein apply to the Fraternal Society of St. Peter, the FSSP, and presumably, by extension, the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest and other organizations. The FSSP typically get all this attention because they are far and away the largest of the priestly fraternities that don't have any canonical issues. So the SSPX are in kind of canonical limbo. They are in full communion with the church. You, there's no such thing as partial communion, but their canonical status is in limbo because of the debates and things in their dialogue, if you want to call it that, with Rome. The FSSP don't have such problems. And after the SSPX, they're pretty much the largest of the priestly fraternities that offer that, that are dedicated to the traditional sacraments exclusively. So why doesn't this apply to them? 
why don't they get these the same canonical rights? And I'm going to tell you, it's pretty obvious why this is the case. It's because we are in a period of lawlessness in the church. That's why. Because the, and it's been this way since at least 2013, and frankly, a lo- a longer ago than that. Right now, we are in a period in church history where we are told that the proper expression of papal power is through absolute will, that he can just do whatever he wants. After all, he's guided by the Holy Ghost, protected from error, so he can do whatever he wants. There are articles in the Code of Canon Law that restrict the, the activities of the Pope, since he's the only one who could impose certain sanctions on people. And there are, there are the Code of Canon Law protects the rights of priests and laity and other things under those circumstances. Why would such exist if the if the Pope's law could not Pope's actions could not be restricted in some way by the Code of Canon Law? It'd be a waste of ink. It'd be a waste of time and all the money they spent developing the Code of Canon Law, which probably cost millions of euros to do. So why would they do it? Now, note again if we go back to this statement here from Francis on this, because the statement is itself the actual the, the how he worded this is actually the key part here. Remember. Sometimes an invitation isn't an invitation. It's a command. He invited the fraternity of St. Peter to continue to build up ecclesial communion. There is your, there's your qualifier evermore through its own proper charism and the efforts of each members expressing his wish while respecting the freedom of each individual priest for the con celebration of the chrism mass, or at least for the presence and Eucharistic communion of priests at the ceremony. Now, by merely attending, that would be their endorsement which is what they want. They want the traditional priests to endorse the, the Mass of Paul VI. A Mass which those same priests publicly have said, publicly, that they have reservations about. And a lot of people don't understand why they have reservations about it. And it's simple, because they know where it came from. They know that the elements of it are identical to the things that Luther and Cramner did in England and Germany in the 16th century that the elements of it are, were designed explicitly to destroy belief in the real presence. Those same elements that Luther and Cramner imposed, as well as some others, in their respective countries were brought in to the new mass when the so-called reformers brought them into their new man-made liturgies in the 16th century to destroy belief in the real presence. That's why. Maybe they don't go quite as far as, say, Father Anthony Chicada did in his book, uh, Work of Human Hands, where he goes into the deep lore and history of the new mass, going back 50 years before it was designed, officially designed, to the efforts by some Jesuit reformers to impose this new mass on the church. Men who were all on the Holy Office's watch list as suspected heretics. Some of them not suspected at all. That might be why, but I don't think they go quite that far. But they certainly have reservations because they've seen what it does. They've seen the elements and know that the elements came from Protestant liturgies. Huh. Mudston says there's a reason SSPX priests say an oath to never say the new mass. Right. There is a reason for it. As much as it makes people uncomfortable, there is a reason for it. And it could be, I always leave hope that there might be a good, there might be a good bishop out there who I don't, while I don't buy the hermeneutic of continuity, because most of the bishops who promote the hermeneutic of continuity don't really believe in it themselves. And that's evident by the fact that they only cite Vatican II documents with the exception of Leo XIII's Rerum Novarum and uh, the uh, 
Vatican I document on papal infallibility. Other than that, they rarely cite anything, if ever, preconciliar. But I know there's at least one bishop out there who actually has an authentic hermeneutic of continuity view, where he will cite the Council of Trent regularly and preconciliar documents regularly, and it takes a real hermeneutic of continuity view. But, the, but, that, but that person, being Bishop Schneider, will probably never be Pope, or at least not any time in the foreseeable future. So short of somebody like that becoming Pope and tinkering with the new mass to try to fix the problems, I, I don't see this attitude changing from the FSSP anytime soon. But that is, your, that is their out, is to attend the mass, which then becomes an endorsement of it. That happens already in some places. But what they want is a con celebration. Now, I yesterday said I wasn't sure or not if FSSP priests are taught how to say the new mass. Apparently, not officially. They're not. There are clearly some FSSP priests who know how to say the new mass, and they go learn it independently. But most of them are not taught it in seminary. Now, concelebration, if you've ever witnessed a concelebration, it's usually the priests come to the altar at the during the, the liturgy of the Eucharist, and then they act as essentially altar servers, and then they all offer the host, raise their own individual host, or do a raising of hands to the bishop's hands as he's doing the, the actual raising of the Eucharist. But that's what this is. This is an invitation because that's where it begins. It's an invitation when we understand that invitations aren't always invitations. Some invitations are more than that. They're commands. That doesn't mean it's in writing, other than this uh, this document here that that they that clearly they didn't really want out there, but they somebody gave it to a journalist, and that's how it got out there. But this has been foremost on Rome's mind for a while, and it doesn't really matter to them that bishops are overstepping their authority by denying the canonical rights of traditional priests to offer private masses and not attend the chrism mass if they don't want to. Dr. Obvious says this is exactly what FS did with blessings. Blessings are endorsements of sin. Concelebration is the endorsement of the Novus Order that intends to replace them. That's exactly right. Again, people don't believe that the ultimate goal of, of uh, Traditionis Custodis is to replace the traditional mass with the new. But if you read that document and you read the accompanying letter from Francis to the bishops, it explicitly says that point is to get those dedicated to the traditional liturgy to come back to the so-called ordinary form. A term Francis doesn't even use anymore. Robert Richards says modernists will say that the Holy Spirit led the Second Vatican Council, and yet they still believe that it wasn't installed properly. I thought the Holy Ghost was perfect. Well, there's another way to just debunk that idea anyway, which is that the Holy Spirit does not endorse ambiguity. Nothing from God is ambiguous. And there's a lot of ambiguity in the documents. The reason I, I respect Bishop Schneider as much as I do is because he is willing to admit that there are problems in those documents from Vatican II, that it's not just the implementation, but that there are problems within the documents that need to be addressed themselves. That's a sign of hope. And I hope that he becomes Pope someday. But that would require him being more than an auxiliary bishop first. <laughs> All right, folks, is there anything anybody wants to talk about in the chat before we end this? I have a, uh, again, a new, of a news video for you today from a good priest. One you've never heard of before. You may have read the article when it was on when it found its way to an English language website, but it's it's a good one coming up in about an hour and a half from the time I'm ending, uh, recording this video live. Um, all right, folks, let's see. Do SSPX bishops celebrate a chrism mass in the traditional form? Um, yes, they do. Our uh, bishop Lef uh, bishop 
uh, fillet certainly does, as do the other two bishops of the uh, of the SSPX. They do confirmations and things in dioceses all the time. That does cause uh, some consternation with some bishops, of course, that they do that. Yes, please hit the um, hit the uh, like button if you haven't. Uh, Mark, no, I do not watch that channel as a rule. As a rule, I don't watch that channel, and I refuse. Please don't mention them again in my chat. You, if you've been following me for a while, you understand why I say that. Um, Dr. Obvious, windswept house, a black mass before Vatican II. Uh, yeah, although people think that that's the main point of the book. It's not. It's that the forces behind that are working with the secular authorities to impose their will on the church. And I actually recommend people read Vatican before they read that, both by Malachi Martin. Um, and as I've read your question, I, I try to read questions, and I, I'm not one of these YouTubers who only read Super Chats. Um, I try to, I try to do, you know, be inclusive of everybody when it comes to that. Thank you, Maureen. It's always appreciated. Um, today's the anniversary of the Manila SSPX chap chapel's consecration. Well, that's good. I'm glad to, that they'll probably be celebrating that there in the Philippines today. All right, folks, if there are no further questions in the chat, then we will wrap this up. Um, just make sure we, uh, pray for everybody today, including that, uh, I haven't named who that that um, Catholic journalist was who released it by accident, but I expect he'll be getting a mouthful because it was an accident and they deleted it off Twitter when they did. Um, I, I didn't name him because I don't want to cause them problems. Um, what about the agreement uh, about the Novus Ordo that established parish societies? I mean, they have to comply too. They'll have to comply with traditions because those are the first ones to go anyway. That's what we're seeing with Sanctus Ranch down in, uh, down in Texas. Um all right, folks, thanks very much for tuning in. And it is, thank you for reminding me, Colleen, or Sandra, rather, it is for Saturday. If you've been thinking about the first Saturday devotion, today's your day. So please go. I mentioned it yesterday at the end of my stream, some basic outline of how to do it. Anyway, as always, folks, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.